Welcome to episode three of From the Great Room, a podcast ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. In this episode, Molly talks with City of Refuge Director Debbie Beal about ways that the church can bridge the gap between the needs of our refugee neighbors and the resources of our community, how meeting material needs is the first step in building relationships, and how the beauty of Revelation 7 verse 9 is being realized in our city. Introduced in this conversation is the Compass Giving Tree, an annual tradition at Compass Church that helps the local church work in partnership with City of Refuge. For more information, head to compassefc.com. Debbie, welcome. Nice to have you on my little podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, um, this is Debbie Webble Beal. Did I say it right? Debbie Webble Beal. That's right. So Uh Webble may sound familiar to folks around these parts. Uh, let's hear a little bit of your own backstory. You have some long-standing connections to Compass and some family members that are still super involved here. I do, yeah. So I actually grew up going to e which is now Compass, mm-hmm. and um, it's very different, this building, than it used to be as I was a little kid running around in the unfinished basement that yep. you all have finished out now. Yeah. So, a lot of my memories of middle school youth group, going, growing up through, um, even some of the faces. I've been back to visit a few times, and I'm very surprised by the amount of people that are still here that were yeah. here 25 years ago. It's amazing. And that would actually include myself. Yes. We were kids in middle school. Yes. Running around the unfinished basement together. <laughs> many many years ago many many. I do remember I don't know if you were there for this one there was some like Thanksgiving themed bowling activity that involved bowling with a frozen turkey I I don't don't think I ever did that you missed that one okay and it did it did produce a hole in one of the walls in one of the Sunday school classrooms did it get fixed Um, (laughs) I don't know there might there might be a 20 year old turkey there's a turkey leg I don't think so I don't think so (laughs) But anyway, yeah. So Debbie, you, um, yeah, you have you've been here in uh, days gone by, and you have left Columbia and you know forged some of your own adventures. Um, let's see, you were in New Mexico yeah, for a number of years. Yeah, most recently. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and now you're back in Columbia, and that's got to be somewhat unexpected. Yes. Um, and here you are, in 2021, and you are the director of the City of Refuge, right? Yes. Wow. It was yes. If we talk, if we talked to Debbie in twenty twenty, would you would you have any idea that this would be no the my path for you? My husband and I were at a Christian adventure camp working, and we both lost our jobs right as COVID hit. And so oh. believe it or not, COVID and summer camp don't mix. Don't mix. They're not friends. <laughs> so um, experienced a lot of massive layoffs. It was really heartbreaking, and yeah. it'd been a, a place we'd invested a lot of our lives into, and so. We came to Columbia, where my family is, mm-hmm. as most of you might know, and yeah, it's been been a lot of unexpected mm-hmm. goodness mm-hmm. in the midst of like in the midst of hard things. It's been also really, really good, very rich. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. Tell me a little bit about uh, this organization, City of Refuge, here in Columbia. What is it? And what is it not? What is it not? Um, we are working with refugees. Our primary purpose is to help them navigate a new life here in America, and we're 
doing that primarily through developing relationships with them. And so that looks like listening and then that allows us to advocate for them. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll, it connects them to resources in our community. Um, we are primarily meeting basic needs and then as as those are met and as we develop a relationship and as trust is built we're able to meet more and more needs that they have as they uh, as layers get peeled back as trust grows we're able to address some of those um, maybe more felt needs that mm-hmm. are less tangible sure know? sure so what is city of refuge not it is not a church, right? It's not a church. <laughs> yes, that's very good point. Very good point to make. Um, we are not the church, and we don't claim to be, and we don't try to be. Um, I like to, I like to view us as a bridge to the community, mm-hmm. a bridge to the church, a bridge to people in our community, and uh, a place where relationships can start or be connected and um, flourish from there. That we're a, a connecting piece, if you will. Yeah. So you take. Like there's someone in the community who has a passion uh, for helping those who have needs, um, refugees specifically. They don't have to invent the whole wheel, right? Correct. Like you guys have on ramps, tutoring opportunities, partnerships, not just financial, but also relational too. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. we we're a resource. Is yeah. what I would, as how I would say it too. Yeah. Well, speaking of refugees, uh, a lot of us were captured by the images that we saw on the news at the end of the summer when Afghanistan fell into the hand of the Taliban. Uh, Perhaps our attention uh, has shifted as the news cycle moves on to national politics and celebrity drama, as it does. (laughs) As it does. Mm. Uh, But how has that situation in Afghanistan affected your work at City of Refuge? Yeah, that's a really great question. I felt like when everything happened in August, everyone... The news outlets, uh, my email was just blown up with, mm-hmm. how can we help? What can I do? I want to help these people. And, and my biggest answer was like, hold on, like, yeah. we're not gonna, we're not gonna see these people for a few months. And it's been a few months and now they're, they're here. Um, mm-hmm. there's over a hundred that have been resettled in Columbia and there's more on their way. And so like just a hundred, like in the last month or so, in the last Five weeks, yeah. Wow. So um, Catholic Charities is our local resettlement agency, and they've been working really hard to get housing and basic needs met and trying to get jobs, um, but but really they're working on the fundamentals. And so we, because we are the other organization in town that works with refugees, we've also seen an influx and a desire to help. The needs are increasing, The, in, the right? needs are increasing, um, and, I, and I think people they want to help in a mm-hmm. tangible way, and so this is like a tangible way they can help. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's incredible to have people that want to be a part of it. And so as time goes on, um, our, our role at City of Refuge with Afghan refugees specifically, I think, will become more clear of what the needs will be. Yeah. Um, and that my, I guess, plea would be that as people, as moved as people were in August, I, I want them to stay that aware and that concerned yeah. and that empathetic in a year or in mm-hmm. two years or in three years mm-hmm. to to remember that when a person's whole life is interrupted and there's trauma inserted that it's not just done with and gone and healed and yeah. fixed in a matter of months or years but that those are things that leave really long wounds and they um, have really long-lasting consequences and implications and so how can we be a community that 
continues to embrace these people and these communities and invests in them in a way that isn't just in a, a one-time type of setting. Yeah, just recognizing the ongoing mm-hmm. needs. Can you tell me about like an average family that comes and resettles? I mean, if they're a refugee, then they've had trauma, they've mm-hmm. had displacement, they've probably packed up quickly Yes, and happened to benefited from a flight that got them out. Maybe they've spent time in Europe. But, I mean, is it usually mom, dad, multiple kids? Is it sometimes pieces of families? Um, what can you tell me about a family that lands at the Columbia Regional Airport? What happens? It's really varying, it seems. Um, a lot of times it's family units. A lot of times it's very large family units. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there's pregnant moms on their way. Um <laughs> Uh, sometimes there are families that have been living in refugee camps for years and years and years. Some some children have spent their whole lives in a refugee camp and they don't know anything else. So to imagine going from a refugee camp to now I live in mid-America trying yeah. to adapt to this new culture when all I've ever known is this mm-hmm. makeshift transitional lifestyle that was not intended to be a long-term solution, but because of crisis, because of war, because of persecution, that becomes a longer-term reality than anyone ever hopes for. And so, um, I mean, sometimes there's single people. It just really depends on... Yeah. We, we work with all types yeah. of family units. So housing, uh, language development, skills development, cultural adaptation, trauma. I mean, this is all stuff that you guys as kind of frontline helpers help with, right? Yeah. And I mean, yeah. And some of it's like, uh, so we're not working necessarily with the initial resettlement, but what we see, <laughs> what we see is uh, sometimes even um, five, seven years later, these families still haven't gotten a chance to really acclimate because mm-hmm. they get here, get a job, start making income, start being as self-sufficient as possible. And so... Uh, oftentimes that is the male going to work for the family and Mm -hmm. so they might be in a factory job and so they're not like learning English in that setting Mm -hmm. then they get home and they're helping take care of the family or going to bed because they're so exhausted and so there's Mm -hmm. not even time or space or energy to learn a new language Mm -hmm. on top of all of that and so um, we could have adults who are here for years and they're not learning the language Mm -hmm. and if you don't know English in America it's really hard yeah really hard so then their options are limited and there's mm-hmm. a real kind of sense of being stuck. Yeah, and then, oh, I lost my job. Mm-hmm. What do I do? And yeah. I don't I don't even know what this paperwork says. Um, several, several refugees might not even be literate in their own language, let alone trying to get them to read and yeah. write English. Yeah, that's, that's, that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> wow. We're talking today because Compass loves City of Refuge. And we have tried, this is going to be our second second year of doing this, Yeah. where we come alongside City of Refuge and partner with you all for the Christmas season. Um, and we're doing a giving tree this year, um, similar to last year. We're going to debut it right before Thanksgiving, so that is coming up super fast. Uh, we've got some ornaments that will have um, some gift-giving advice um, that will help meet various needs for refugee families. And this year we're kind of moving away from toys and bikes and CD players and things, and we're going to try and emphasize some of the basic needs. And this is going to be an exciting opportunity for us to be a blessing to our refugee neighbors, which obviously that 
population is really booming right mm-hmm. now. And yeah. so the need, the need is great. Um, so from your perspective, Debbie, how can this Christmas giving season help build a bridge between Compass and City of Refuge? Um, is it more than just new socks and hand sanitizer? <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully it is, yeah. yeah. And that's where that bridge building that we talked about earlier comes in is a lot of people don't know what City of Refuge is or why we exist. A lot of people don't even think twice about refugees. They might see someone in a grocery store and not even consider where that person has come from or what their experience has been. But but maybe by this partnership it would it would cause us to stop and to to want to know, to ask questions, to to want to start to form those relationships that really change lives. And so so I see I see this partnership as yes, we're gonna we're gonna help meet fundamental needs that are ongoing, um, but also as a a bridge toward real relationship with with people in our community that um, are in need, but also that can teach us, they can they can teach us and they can grow us and uh, we can learn about cultures and traditions and there's something really beautiful about um, knowing what exists in the world beyond mm-hmm. what America has always provided us, so. Yeah, and you know, going back to some of, you know, just our news ca- coverage, yeah. which is so Americanized, it's hard for us to break out of our bubble, Yes. right? Um, but tell me about tell me about some of the on ramps that City of Refuge has. So say you know I'm excited to to participate with the the Giving Tree, help meet some basic needs. But you know I I could spare an afternoon or an evening once a week. Like how can I help and build relationships? Do I just show up? Are there programs? Do I go to the website? What do I do? Yeah. Um, a lot of people show up, but that's not always the most effective. <laughs> um, yeah, we do have some on-ramps, like you've been saying, and some processes that we um, follow. So getting volunteers active, we have a volunteer program coordinator, and she's basically able to, if you fill out an application, it's really simple, basically saying, here's what I'm interested in, here's mm-hmm. when I'm available, um, and then she'll reach back out, we'll do a background check, and then do some training depending on whatever it is. So that could be anything from helping tutor kids after school or in the evenings, it's called homework helpers, and we do that twice a week. And uh, we also do an English buddy program, and that's assigning people to people, <laughs> essentially, mm-hmm. who have like interests and in, in that they can start conversing and this helps uh, refugees learn the English language and there's a basic curriculum that's attached to that but there's like training that comes alongside that so it doesn't have to be a scary or intimidating thing Mm -hmm. I mean we do we have a sewing class on Tuesday mornings and Mm -hmm. so we have these women who volunteer their time to come help teach refugees how to sew and so really we have these things in place um, that exist but also there's if you have a skill and you have a passion uh, there's a there's a way to get involved I love it I love it now working with refugees by definition means that you and your team are exposed to some real heartbreak how do you stay motivated how do you not let it get you down and what fuels your vision for this work that's a good question. Um, Which and this is still new to you. I know that a yeah. lot of this is you're figuring out as you go. Yeah, I think I think knowing that we're actually helping people mm-hmm. is what fuels me. Like it can be it can be a lot, and it can feel like there's always a problem or um, 
I mean, there, there was a, a teenager, I think he, I don't actually know how old he is, not, not an older person, <laughs> <laughs> who has been in our office last week eating just random food that we have around the office because he doesn't have a place to land. Mm. And so it's like, we can offer chips, you know, but yeah. like being able to connect people to resources or people to people is really life-giving because we're making a real difference. And then as we do that, uh, they bring their own culture and their mm-hmm. traditions and their food to our mm-hmm. office sometimes too. And um, and you're just reminded that the world is a lot bigger than what we think. Mm-hmm. And the things that I think matter and the things that I care about and my perspective can sometimes be so narrow and mm-hmm. so limited. And so working with refugees reminds me to just zoom out a lot to say man, there's so, so much more going on. And even um, my administrative things that I have to take care of or the fundraising or whatever, like that stuff like really pales in comparison. And um, while we aren't a faith-based organization, a lot of us are believers. And so for me, it's like really fueled by my my faith mm-hmm. in Christ and um, what he calls us to and how do I, how do I live out my faith. And, um, and so I think that is that's my drive. My personal drive is, um, how am I living out the gospel in the day to day? And, and to me, that is just building relationships. And so whether that is the volunteers working for us, the the ones that are sitting at our front desk or sorting through donations or, um, people who want to give money, the donors, um, Mm -hmm. or the refugees coming in or a staff, it's, what does it look like to, to stop my feet and to remember that people are people Mm -hmm. and we, we're called to, to love people. And so how am I, how am I doing that? How are we as city of refuge doing that? And can we do more and more of that? Even, even if that means wading through some really hard stuff, Mm. there's always hope, hope for better, hope for more on the other side of that. Yeah. It's the power of the gospel, right? Always. Meets us in our brokenness and make something new from that. Yeah. I think one of the things that we have talked about before is um, just the opportunity with City of Refuge and specifically with the community that we're in, not just with refugees, but with the university too. And the reality is uh, we're, as Christians, called to to go forth and make disciples of all nations. Mm -hmm. And we have all nations coming to us. Literally right here in Columbia. Yeah. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, it's here. Yeah. And so, like, what is it, the, the fields are ripe, you know, mm-hmm. and there's an incredible opportunity for us to experience the kingdom. I mean, I imagine some of these refugees do have faith, and and some of them, and probably many of them don't, but there's an opportunity um, to experience sort of the beauty of the kingdom beyond just the small little bubble that maybe we know here. Yeah, and to to learn from them and that um specifically i know some of some of our burmese refugees they have had to flee because of persecution because of their faith and so they they know jesus and they love him and so what if what if we took a humble approach and said teach us like Mm -hmm. we we have something to learn from you too we are not just the be all hear all we can solve all the problems but um, to take a humble posture and to to really be friend. Friendship doesn't look like I'm just going to give, give, give. And 
save you and rescue you. It's a it's a give and a take, and it's um, and trust is built, and relationship is formed, and and that's that's what I hope for with City of Refuge and and Compass to be able to partner to form form true relationship, true friendship. Yes, yes, I love it. That's beautiful. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for your time today. Last question for you. What's one thing that you would want most people to, to hear about the work that is being done through City of Refuge? What's one thing that it would be a terrible crime if you left and we didn't hear this? <laughs> we exist because we care about people and and we need we need help to do that. We, as City of Refuge, can't be, be the end-all be-all for refugees because we're not big enough and there's way more refugees and so we need... We need the church. We need the church to um, embrace embrace their neighbors and in ways that maybe cost something to us. Um, maybe it costs time. Maybe it costs money. Maybe it affects our day to day a little bit, and maybe that's okay. But um, what does it look like to to be the church that that really loves God and loves our neighbor? And um, and so. Because City Refuge can't be that, I want to build bridges to churches, to the people, to our community that can do that. But really, it's it's people that matter, um, creating space for people to to engage in real relationship, and that's that's what drives us. And in theory, that's what drives the church as well. This podcast is part of the ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, please check out compasscfc.com.